Hello, and welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and chavruta, Yerdena Azband. Our daf of the day, Masachat Noed Katan, daf kaf bet. Page 22. We're getting towards the, the home stretch here, Yerdena. Yes, we are. I'm just so please sign up for our CM if you have not yet. Yes, we're, we're almost there, actually. <laughs> Look at that. Nice segue. Okay, I'm on Amabet, and I'm going to talk today about Shloshim, meaning the daf today talks about Shloshim. We've been talking about Shiva. Uh, we've been talking about Avelut when we've been talking about mourning as a as a like category. We've by and large been talking about Shiva. But now we're going to talk about Shloshim. So the says that with regard to anybody who dies, meaning within um all of the all of the relatives, and then the commentary say except for parents, right? But everybody else you would cut your hair on, well, really, the Gemara says, except for parents, um, you cut your hair um, after the 30 days, right? Seven days within which, then you have 30. I'll, I'll, let me say that better. Seven days, um, then you get to the count of 30, which continues from the eighth day, right? Meaning it's not seven and then 30, it's seven and then, what, 23, right? Including the Including the first seven. So, but about the case for the case of the parents, so you don't cut your hair until people start to comment and say, "Oh, look at you! You need a haircut, right?" And I actually watched a friend of mine do this, meaning his father had died, and his father had died. I guess his hair had been short. I don't know. It took quite some time till people start, started hassling him, and then he got a haircut, like exactly. You know, textbook, so to speak. Al kol hametim kulan nechnas levita simchal achar shloshim yom. So again, with regard to all of the relatives, again, except for the parents, you can enter a simcha um, after thirty days. Meaning, you're going to take uh, thirty days to mourn, to be subdued, to not participate in smachot. But for parents, you wait twelve months, and we know this. So Rabbi Barakana is talking about, again, uh, some kind of a house where there's a simcha going on, some kind of festival, not festival, uh, a joyous occasion, right? When we're talking about the gathering that is taking place. So that could be, you know, meals or friends hanging out together. And, you know, we'll extend this. Allah, later generations, right, we'll extend this to go beyond formal events of Simcha-like weddings and so on. Um, and in fact, the claim here is that this is not necessarily about a wedding. Why? So what happens? The Gemara says, we've got a Brita that says, for joyous social gatherings, 30 days. Meaning, so then we say you can go into them. for If Rabbi Barbachana says you can go into a joyous Simcha gathering, and then we have a contradiction that says a joyous simcha ga- gathering specifically 30 days. So this seems to be a contradiction to say that some of them are allowed and some of them seem not to be allowed. So then the Gemara concludes here, and it's not very helpful to us, Kasha, yeah, that's difficult, meaning this does seem to be a contradiction in, in sources. Amemar matnihachi. So Amemar talks about all of this, and he says, Amar Abba so 
So he resolves it. said as follows that for a joyous social gathering, you could go, you can join it, you can participate immediately. What does that mean immediately? I thought we say 30 days. So then the Gemara answers, Lo kasha ha ba ha So the Gemara resolves this case, which sounds very similar to the previous case. This is not difficult. Why not? Because the first initial gathering is when the mourner is amongst the friends, let's say, that are hosting. But then when Rabbi Barbachan is talking about um, a payback gathering, right? Puranuta, then there's some kind of pira'on, there's some kind of um, reciprocal, reciprocal event, right? So the commentary says here, you know, he's not required to host such a thing. So then, you know, the question is, can he do it? Can he, or should he postpone it? Okay, let me take a step back from the daf and see if I can make some order here, right? We have different kinds of gatherings and <clears throat> some of them are events, weddings, bar mitzvahs, bris, and things like that, right? And this seems to be a discussion, <coughs> excuse me, of what would otherwise be optional gatherings, but there's some kind of social reason to participate, either because you're the host or because you're reciprocating, you've given, you're giving the party because it was your turn to host. So this is that's what this is being this is that's what's being discussed here as compared to um, the presumption, let's say, of weddings or something like that. So the Gemara goes on, it's quoting a Breita, and it says that for all deceased relatives, you're going to tear a tefach, that means of your shirt, right? But again, we've got a caveat for parents, people tear more kriya, right, on their garments. They tear until they, it says, until he reveals his heart. And I will note here again that this is talking about the male garments because for women, there is a greater concern of, really, a legitimate greater concern of snoot, and the tearing of Kriya would be a little bit different. Or it'll be on an outer garment, which the Gemara is going to address in a moment. Amar Rabbi Abel, Mikra. So Rabbi Abel says, what pasuk, what verse teaches us that we should tear Kriya for a tefach, for the amount of a hand's breath? So he's got a verse from Shmuel Bet. David HaMelech, King David, tore took his clothes, and he tore them. And you cannot, the Gemara says, Ein achiza, you can't take hold of your garment, it won't be a holding on if you have less than a tefach, which is an interesting way to learn it out, because the minimum amount that he could grasp. And on the other hand, I think, Yerdana, this might be one of those times where we would say, which came first, right? Did everybody know that tearing Kriya was a tefach, and then they found a verse for it? Or, you know, or is it that it's really uh, derived from the David story? And then the Gemara goes on. So the claim here is that for everybody else, except for those mourning their parents, they would tear Kriya for all the... Well, for, let's say he's wearing 10 garments, says the Gemara here. So then you would just tear only the outer garment. But for... Then he would tear all of them, all ten, let's say. That's the undergarment. And if he doesn't tear his undergarment, whatever, t-shirt, t-t, I don't know. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? 
chemise, like, you know, one of these under type of garments, it doesn't, it's not going to say you didn't tear Kriya if you didn't tear the bottom one close to the skin. And lastly, the Gemara says, v'chadisha. both men and women are required to tear their garments. So Rabbi Shimon ben Azar says the woman first tears the inner, inner garment, the most, the one that's closest to her skin, and then she tears it around, turns it around so that the tear is not on Sanua, it's on her back. And then she tears the outer garment, and so then what's, what's seen under the tear of the outer garment is the back, you know, which is on her front of the undergarment. Um, I want to note that the Gemara that says, okay, we're going to now talk about Shloshim, has come back around to still talk about, you know, tearing Kriya is really the first moment of mourning. So I don't know why the Gemara is structured this way. I wish I had like a nice like, way to package it here. I just want to get back to one thing you said, which was about, you know, the citing a source for the Tefach. I think it's pretty amazing that much of the halachot of mourning are really not based on psukim. There are psukim here or there, but there's not really a text about it in the Torah itself. And I just wonder if almost in a way, like mourning is just a part of the human condition, right? People lose people. And, you know, almost does it not need to be explicit in the Torah, but of course there's going to be a halacha written about it because that's how we do things right that's always our question is sort of what is halachically a certain life experience mean for me or how will i express that experience in a halachic way but i am a little bit struck by the fact that there's no sort of formal um uh you know morning text or morning mitzvah in the torah itself right even where we get to sort of who are the seven relatives it's in a roundabout way it's through like who the coin can be tummy for, but that's not really talking about the coin's experience of mourning. So what I find most interesting about what you've just said is how it kind of contrasts with how many people who have gone through the mourning experience, who, who maybe even don't have so much affiliation with Judaism, who then say, now I get the wisdom of Judaism. The process of mourning in, in Judaism is like nothing else. It is, you know, so many people who are not Jewish, and then they have to go straight back to work, let's say, instead of having the time, the different stages. And we know, we've just talked about how Yontif can cut it off and so on, but but the baseline, the template of mourning in Judaism, every, like so many people acclaim it as so psychologically genius. And and you're right, like it's not in, it's not in Psukim. So how did they know? Who figured this out? Where does it come from? You know, that it that it's imprinted in this way. If mourning is a is part of the human condition, but not all cultures do it the same way. We got right. something special here. Right. And but it's interesting. I mean, it's real halacha. There's machlokas over it. And how do you decide that it's really not based on text? I want to move on here to an interesting discussion about mourning for people not in your family. And it begins with the following. So we're still talking about tearing Kriya, right? Tearing your clothes as a sign of mourning. So it says for all of these uh, deceased relatives, you can tear the inside, um, you know, piece of clothing. But for your parents, it needs to be an outside, your outermost garment. 
And Rav Chisa says, you would do this also for the Nasi. So already we see the Gemara bringing in an element that some of these mourning practices are not just for relatives, but also for uh, people who are important in society. Now the Gemara brings an objection here. Metve, right? Here's a Brisa. And the Brisa reads as follows. Uh, we do not compare. Now, again, we don't know who we're talking about. Is it the Nasi? Is it the Abetin? Could it just be a teacher? Could it be a Talmud Chacham? But they're not compared to a mother and a father, except for Lichui Bilvat, about sewing back up the edges of the tear, right? And that really what it is, is that you can't really sew it up nicely. Can't do like nice, precise, can't really mend it. Um, and so the Gemara basically says, my love, I feel the Nasi. So is this price also talking about the Nasi? And if that's the case, then Rav Chisa's statement is wrong, right? Because Rav Chisa was saying that, no, the Nasi is comparable to parents in that you have to tear outer clothing. This price would seem to say that, no, the only thing it's comparable to Avivimos with how you could sew that tear up. And so the Gemara basically answers, um, yeah, you know, so uh, my love, I feel the Nasi, right? That's the question, sorry. Right, is this Brisa not referring to the Nasi? That's the Machlokas. Lo, no, it's not. Levar mi Nasi. No, it's talking about everybody except the Nasi. It's talking about all these other important people except the Nasi. Then the Gemara gives a story, right? Nasiya Shechev, right? That when the Nasi died, Amr le Rav Chisa le Rav Hanan bar Rava. Rav Chisa said to Rav Hanan bar Rava, Kifi asita v'kum alei. Turn the mortar over. In other words, turn this thing over. Stand on it. And basically tear Kriya in front of everybody. So in other words, what he was telling everyone is this is how everybody needs to sort of tear their, uh, their tear Kriya. That needs to be done in a very public way with the Nasi. Then the Gemara goes on to other categories. So when you mourn a sage, you remove your garment to the, on the right shoulder. When you mourn the Abbeitin, the, you remove your garment on the left shoulder. For Nasi, it's both. So in other words, it's not just that we tear Kriya, but also the way we wear clothes needs to look different as well. And then we have another bright When a Chacham dies, his Beit Midrash sits without learning, right? Nobody's supposed to learn as a sign of mourning. If an Abbeitin dies, all the Batei Midrash in his, that person's city should not learn as a sign of mourning. And everybody goes into the synagogue and has to change their place. In other words, the whole community has to show a public display of mourning. Those who sit in the north sit in the south. And those who sit in the south sit in the north. When the Nasi dies, all of the study halls stop learning. And the members of the synagogue basically go into the synagogue, right? Um, and there's basically a public uh, uh, Torah reading. Vikorin Shiva, seven people read from the Torah, Viotin, and then they leave and they pray on their own. Rabbi Yeshua, now I know I'm reading on the top of the next staff. Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha, Mer Loshi Yachubi Lubashuk, Eliyoshim Vidavin. Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha says, it's not like they leave and then can just go about their business, go to the marketplace. Everybody has to go home and notice what it says, Yoshim Vidavin. They sit in silence. They're not sitting 
what we would call shiva, but everybody sort of has this, this, this mourning that is done in public and also is done in private. And then finally it says, right? We do not speak halacha or agada in any house of mourning um, because the idea is that this is an activity that brings joy. Amr Alab al Rabbi Hanina ben Gamliel, and it was said of Rabbi Hanania ben Gamliel, that he would teach uh, or he would learn in a Beit Avel. So I think what this is interesting is that it shows a bunch of different customs, not just about relatives, but also about important people in the community. And I think acknowledges that sometimes we need an outlet for mourning our leaders. It's not just about our relatives. And that there are times where it's actually appropriate for communal mourning, where everybody needs to mourn, and 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 it's and it's treated as such, right? You're tearing kriya. You're wearing your clothes differently. There, you you have to sit differently in a Beit Knesset. You don't learn in a Beit Midrash. Um, and I think it's trying to show again, as we mentioned before, that the process of mourning is just part of the human condition, and it's acknowledging that there may be a variety of people in our lives who are important to us who die, and that collectively there are sometimes leaders who die, that the community needs to go through the mourning process together, and halacha actually mandates that process. Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rinkus reviews on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rabbanit Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Talmud Facebook page, and until tomorrow, go and learn.